Hello there. This is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you, dear listener, are now listening to the Doctor's Watcher, the the museum podcast about Doctor <laughs> Who. Yeah, I mean that, that fits our uh, fits our serial. So I wanted to mention to both Benny and the listeners that there might be a little bit more background noise on my end than usual because there are a lot of windows open in this room because we are ventilating our house at the moment. We had our our cabinets delivered and installed the other day, which was very exciting. But okay. um you know part of the part of the thing about getting a bunch of new shit is that, you know, new shit puts off weird dangerous chemicals i think it's basically <laughs> like sort of the appliance version of new car smell like oh, the the, the wood cabinet version of new car smell so yeah like our our house is has a lot of that at the moment so okay yeah well i can't i can't hear anything right now i mean in the past we've had like you know we've had thumps and bumps and every now and then <laughs> there'll be a like a, a police siren in the background yeah or that's true but that's just because our podcast is so good it's illegal <laughs> And, you know, I'm, I'm sure the fact that we're, you know, breathing some amount of these chemicals for <laughs> a few days is probably not great. So, you know, if I ever happen to, like, kind of trail off or... Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna need you to like maintain eye contact, please. <laughs> so let's talk about some Doctor Who. Yes. This is the 27th episode of season two, The Dimensions uh-huh. of Time. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're here for. Yeah, I think I think Glenn Jones is really hitting it out of the park with these episode titles so far. Two for two. The Space two two Museum, so The Dimensions of Time. Yes. Do you recall, speaking of the Space Museum, what our Cliff Dingler was? <laughs> Um, yes, because not only did we record the podcast, not only did I do the first pass edit on the podcast, I actually went and watched the episode. Oh, like, nice, uh, nice. Throughout, throughout our recording, I kept saying like, man, this sounds so good, man, I kind of want to watch this one. And so I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, the clip dangler, the short version is they have arrived. Indeed. And the, uh, the, the long version was that they were stuck, um, the time had skipped the track, um, like a record, you know, jumping, the, the needle jumping um, around in the groove. Um, so they, they couldn't touch anything. Uh, the, you know, the people there, the, the guards or whoever, the, the Steve Jobses did, couldn't um, interact with them or see them. Um, but then, oh, and then, of course, they saw themselves on display, which is like, what? Right. And, and now um, they've, the, you know, time has caught up, so they're no longer on display, but now they might be in danger because now, presumably, you know, people can see them and say like, hey, what, what are you doing here, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And of course, we have two different types of of aliens on this planet. There are the Steve Jobses, and then there are 
the the Morocks they're called with like the guys dressed in white with like the big shoulders. Oh, nice! I didn't know. <laughs> somehow uh, I must have missed it. They're called Morocks, but I love it. <laughs> so we actually we start with a room of a couple of Morocks, uh, rather than picking up from the Cliftingler. We're in like sort of an an office room, I guess. One of the guys has just finished repairing some technological device. It's not really made clear like what he's working on, but he's repairing something. And yes, that's all we care about. Mm-hmm. Through the dialogue in this scene, we learn that this is the planet Xeron. Nice. And to it. <laughs> and also, apparently, this planet is boring as shit. Well, it is a museum planet. Just kidding. I love museums. <laughs> These... Also, what a departure from like uh, from expectations to not resolve the cliff dangler immediately. Yeah, it was kind of a departure. <laughs> but yeah, I guess these two guys are from the planet Morok. Maybe this is where we learn they're called Moroks. Maybe it's not in the first episode at all. Oh, I see. They're, they're Moroks from the planet Morok. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, 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 that tracks. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they're Moroks from the planet Morok, and they wish that they could return to Morok. Even though it's pretty boring on Morok also, but like at least it's home, I guess. Yeah. I mean this planet has rocks, but their home planet <laughs> has No, I'm sorry, <laughs> please continue. <laughs> One of them mentions that he's gonna be stationed here, like guarding the museum basically for two thousand more Xeron days. Oh. oh days, okay, that's not so bad. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's so a, a couple, a couple, couple of, of years, a few years maybe? at least. But I mean, I guess we we don't really know how long it takes the, uh, the the this planet to go around its sun. Yeah, I guess for that matter, we don't even know how long a day is. Maybe a zero on day is like three hours, <laughs> or it could be like three hundred hours. <laughs> Today, though, should be a less boring day than usual because oh, an alien ship has been discovered. Nice, of course. By alien ship, they mean the TARDIS. Uh-huh. They, of course, these two Moroks don't know that two ships have actually landed on the planet Xeron, the TARDIS and the HMS Barbarian. <laughs> yes, it accompanies us wherever we go. <laughs> <laughs> they do know that there are at least three visitors from the ship. So they're going to start looking for them because they need to be questioned and potentially, of course, added to the museum as exhibits. <laughs> like you do. Right. <laughs> they also let us viewers know that there are apparently local rebels here on the planet that have not caused a problem for the Moroks yet, but these rebels will probably also be trying to find and contact the TARDIS crew. Cool, cool. Always a fan of local rebels. Yeah, totally. Yeah, just knowing that there are local rebels kind of automatically makes me on their side. Yes. We cut straight from this to a group of Steve Jobses, so we're presuming that they are the local rebels. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, just based on the edit. I did I do feel like I should clarify that it turns out on like closer viewing that they're not actually wearing black turtlenecks they're just wearing like black regular neck sweaters. Oh, but I'm still going to call them <laughs> Steve Jobs. Yeah. There will always be Steve Jobs to us. Uh-huh. 
Also, the fact that they're rebels, I guess, means that this is more like 90s Steve Jobs that we're talking about. <laughs> it sounds like the Steve Jobses have been planning to attack the Morocks, but it also sounds like whatever they were planning probably was not going to go very well. I know the Morocks... Maybe they thought too different. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I know the Morocks have ray guns and we're unarmed, but our only chance is to strike. But the longer we leave it, the greater the risk. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I admire the courage, I suppose. Uh-huh. They've apparently been waiting for one of their friends to show up, you know, another Steve Jobs. And when he does, he reveals to them that the Morocks have found a ship, I guess, like he heard them talking about it or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the Steve Jobses all discuss this. One of them thinks that the ship must have come to this planet to, like, check out the museum and, like, hang out with the Morocks. Seems, yeah, seems plausible. Yeah, like this is a museum planet, so that would probably be yes. why people generally come to it. Yes. But another Steve Jobs thinks that there are probably a bunch of planets that haven't heard about the Morocks or the museum, so, like, they could have come here accidentally or something. <laughs> I think you're onto something. Yeah, they... They all decide that it's probably a good idea in any case to try to contact, try to find and contact these aliens before the Morocks do. Mm -hmm. And now finally we cut back to our heroes. We cut over to Barbara, Ian, and Vicky, who are lifting the glass cover off of a space gun on display, like a, a big ray gun. <laughs> I guess the doctors don't touch anything policy has uh, expired there. <laughs> uh-huh. Ian grabs the gun, and Barbara and Vicky set the glass cover back in place. Nice. Ian... Ian's packing some space heat. Uh-huh. He goes on to demonstrate some very poor and dangerous space gun handling skills. <laughs> no. He shows exactly what not to do. As he, like, spins the gun around at Vicky, Barbara, and the doctor, pretending to fire it. Hey, I wonder if it works, eh? <laughs> Chesterton, this is no time to be playing cowboys and Indians. Doctor, I might have shot a hole right in the middle of is you. Is that so? Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think the doctor's right there. I think he's onto something. Yeah. Listeners. I, I'm a little... A little disappointed in Ian, a little, little surprised at his, uh, his lack of, of basic safety protocols. If you, if you ever encounter a gun, whether it is a space gun or an Earth gun, don't fucking point it at people, even if you think yes. it's not loaded. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do we even know what this gun does? Like, yeah. <laughs> they start discussing like what they should do or what they should not do in order to avoid ending up as dummies on display in the museum. Mm -hmm. They don't really know if they should like stay around and actively try to prevent it, or if they should just look for the TARDIS and try to GTFO, or what, because they have become aware of the whole trope of causing the very thing you're trying to prevent, when time travel shenanigans are happening. Yes. Uh, 
Admiral Janeway would be proud. Indeed. <laughs> so, you know, they talk about like, you know, should we just try to leave? Doctor's like, oh, if we do that, then the TARDIS is just going to get captured and end up back here anyway. But, you know, what if we try to do something else? But, you know, maybe that's the thing that causes us to get dumbified, etc. Mm-hmm. Doctor's pondering what to do. So... The the doctor's pondering what to do, and he starts trying to think about who would want to capture them and put them on display. And as soon as he starts trying to like figure out the motive, Barbara knows what is going to happen, what they're going to do. Doctor's curious. That means we stay. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> We've seen that before. Uh-huh. About this time, Ian realizes that he's lost a button from his jacket, and... The doctor gets super interested in this and wishes that Ian had noticed whether his museum dummy had lost the button on his jacket or not. Mm, Yeah, then we could tell, like, uh, how these time streams are interconnected. Right. Have we diverged or are we still on track? Mm -hmm. Ian's just like, Doctor, why do you always give such a shit about inconsequential bullshit like a lost button? And the doctor responds, The least important things sometimes, my dear boy, lead to the greatest discoveries. Like steam, for instance, coming out of a kettle. Yes, I was with him at the time. Uh, let's see now, where uh, what was that fellow's name? Um, James Watt. Hmm? <laughs> the doctor's like, it took me forever to get my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching it the whole time. <laughs> he says that losing a button could change the future, but I guess you know it's kind of pointless since we don't know if the museum dummy had the button or not. Yeah. For now, they all agree that like they might as well just start looking for the TARDIS. It's it's something to do, I guess. <laughs> not not that they can convince the doctor to actually leave in it quite yet, but they might as well find out where it is. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> they head out of the museum room that they're in into the museum corridor, and they start debating which way they came from and you know, therefore, which way they should go. The DM lets this go on for a minute and then has them all roll to see if anyone actually remembers which way they came from. <laughs> and The DM's like, clearly the players don't, so I'll just let uh-huh. them roll and see if the characters do. <laughs> Turns out, what are the odds? Straight ones across the board. <laughs> odds are actually one in 160,000 for four D20 rolls to all be ones. There you go. <laughs> the doctor's like, We turned right and then left. And Vicky's like, No, no, we turned right when we came in. No, we turned left when we came in. And Barbara comes in with, Well, actually, all the doors and corridors are exactly alike. Hmm. These are not like mutually exclusive because the doctor said turn right and then Vicky said turn right first. Like the first thing the doctor said was also turn right. Yeah. And you know, Barbara's comment is like, Yeah, that could also like jive with what everyone else is saying yeah it was it was odd because like they're all acting like they're all disagreeing but it was less apparent in the dialogue (laughs) (laughs) it was just whatever happened to be important to them at the time i suppose they they end up just picking a direction they decide to go with what vicky said and they head off down the hall I like that they went with what Vicky said and not with like what the doctor or even Ian said. Yeah, I liked that too. It was it was cool for her to be the one that was picked. 
we cut very briefly back to the office from the first scene of the episode. The guy who's st- the guy in there, like sitting at the desk, seems to basically be like the museum administrator. And he gets an update from the commander of K Division, who lets him know that they've got the alien spaceship and they found footprints near the museum, and they are continuing their search for the aliens themselves. Cool. Thanks for the update. (laughs) (laughs) These aliens continue wandering the halls of the museum. It's like a maze. Well, if we keep going, we must eventually come to an entrance. Um, it depends on how lost you are. (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was, like, necessarily true. Yeah, you you may need to, like, systematically pick your doors or something like that. Yeah. Are the players, like, actually sketching a map of where they're going? Or are they just, like, picking a direction each time the DM offers them a choice or what? Yeah. It, it sort of reminded me of when I ran that Stranger Things-based one-shot for y'all, Weirder Shit. Uh-huh. And there was that portion where you were, like, navigating through some kind of magic maze or whatever, and, like, I was literally just, like, rolling dice to see what the next section of the hallway was every time you, like, turned a corner. Yeah, I think I think the vibe was something like it, it, corridors changed as we were going, so yeah. even drawing a map wouldn't necessarily have been helpful. Yeah, like, yeah, even if you were to, like, turn around and go back, it would be different than what you came from. Yeah, which would be a pretty cool museum. It would be. It's not clear that that's what's happening here. They're just okay. in, like, a regular maze, but that was what it made me think of. Cool. As they head down the hallway, three Steve Jobses appear in the hallway behind them and, like, watch them from a distance. I should clarify that the Steve Jobses are all pretty young, like they're all probably in their early 20s, but the Moroks are all like middle-aged. Mm, clearly, uh, clearly they're more used to using PCs. I, I don't know. <laughs> <It's not. laughs> yeah. So the, the three, yeah, I don't know if the ages, I don't know how much the ages actually matter, but like just to paint the full picture. I mean, as much as it sort of, you know, ties into society's perception of people of different ages. I know that especially in kids' shows, but also just in entertainment in general, of course, the younger characters tend to be the more sympathetic ones. Yeah, that's true. And if they're rebels and then the uh, the older characters are representing some sort of, like, I don't know, establishment, yeah. Yeah. So these three Steve Jobses discuss among themselves what to do One of them is worried because he saw that the TARDIS crew has a ray gun, but another one of them is like, dude, we wanted them to have weapons, remember? Also, we don't have any weapons, so (laughs) it's probably for the best if they have some. Uh Uh-huh. The first dude is still kind of worried about, like, getting shot on sight when they try to go talk to them. So they decide that the best thing to do will probably be to try to isolate either the old man or the girl, explain themselves to whichever one they get, and then have that person introduce them to the rest of the group. Yeah, I think we uh, we saw how trigger-happy Ian is in this one. So <laughs> maybe that's yeah. not the worst plan. Yeah, that does. Whatever they're going to try to do to isolate them could also be misinterpreted, so we'll see. Uh-huh. But yeah, I... 
I thought it did seem kind of smart to not just attempt a, a straight-on approach to the whole group at once. Yeah, normally I'd be like, but they're friendly, you know, you can approach them. But given that they, you know, very much established for this one that Ian is maybe a little too eager to try out that ray gun, I, I do think it makes sense. Yeah. So sure enough, a little ways down the hallway, everyone else kind of moves on. But the doctor is like looking at one of the museum exhibits <laughs> and Nerd. a door a door in the wall slides open and black sweater clad arms reach out and grab him and pull him through and the door closes. <laughs> uh, I love it. Hi, Kyle here. I hope you're enjoying the episode. You can let us know what you think of it by emailing us at the doctor's watcher at gmail.com or by tweeting us at doctor watcher you can also leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you review your podcasts and tell a friend. Anyway, back to the episode. In the room, three Steve Jobses stand around looking at the doctor who's lying on the floor. One Steve Jobs thinks that the other Steve Jobs killed the doctor but oh, the, dang. yeah other one says that he barely touched him and he probably just fainted oh <laughs> well i i hope it's okay he's uh -huh. kind of an older older gentleman well he the doctor kind of discreetly opens an eye and looks directly into the camera for a few moments and then closes it again ah gotcha <laughs> gotcha two of the steve jobses assign the third steve jobs to stay and stand guard in case their prisoner, like, comes to. Have they tried turning him off and back on again? You know, that would be a good idea. They haven't tried that yet. <laughs> <laughs> and in the meantime, the other two Steve Jobses are going to go look for something to help bring him around. We cut over to Ian and Barbara and Vicky. Ian and Barbara have realized that the doctor has disappeared, and they're bickering about it. Ian comes real close to blaming Barbara and Vicky for not watching the doctor closely enough. Well, you weren't watching him either there, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> Barbara accuses him of being irritable, and he basically immediately agrees that he is irritable, and he apologizes for it. Okay, well, I'm glad he apologized. I just wish he'd stay with us for once, that's all. <laughs> well, I remember in uh, the previous episode, we said it was the one where they don't split the party, and <laughs> I guess that's how long that lasted. Uh-huh. Vicky puts forth the theory that he's been captured, but Ian... <laughs> nice, Vicky. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, she's on track. Ian and Barbara aren't really sure about that. They start debating about what to do and, you know, what choice is going to lead to what outcome. You know, are they already doomed to be museum dummies or not? Mm -hmm. And they eventually decide to move on, which Vicky is greatly relieved to hear. Oh, God! That way, I think. <laughs> She's like, Mom, Dad, please stop <laughs> fighting. Uh -huh. We'll find Grandpa again. <laughs> Yeah, it was totally that energy. <laughs> the two Steve Jobses return to the room with the third Steve Jobs, 
only to find him bound and gagged on the floor and the doctor nowhere to be seen. I, I would I would love to see how the doctor managed to overcome, you know, a uh, hale and hearty young man. <laughs> he, he, is, he is a clever old guy, but uh, yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah, I was a bit disappointed that they didn't show us that scene. I, I, I kind of like this, this kind of implied scene, though, because we can sort of use our imaginations and be like, how did he use his cleverness to, yeah. uh, to, to capture this guy or... Um, yeah, but anyway, it would have been, it would have been kind of, well, maybe, maybe, you know, there's room for all the fanfics or, or <laughs> listeners if you want to write in and tell us how, how the doctor managed to subdue that Steve Jobs. Um, you can always tweet us or send us an email. Indeed. We will, we will read all emails and probably retweet all tweets. Yes. So, of course, these two Steve Jobses untie and ungag the third Steve Jobs, but he's not sure what happened. One minute it was silence, and the next minute a whirlwind hit me. <laughs> yep, that's the doctor for you. Yeah. He's just like, every every limb a deadly weapon. <laughs> he probably just conked him on the back of his head with, with his cane. <laughs> yeah, probably. This, this Steve Jobs is just lying to make it sound worse than it actually was. <laughs> He hit me with that, like, you know, Sam Fisher sleeper cell, like, sleeper hold. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the three of them rush out of the room to start looking for the doctor and his companions, but the camera person stays in the room and pans the camera over to the Dalek on display from the first episode, and we hear a voice. I thought them all... I am the master. <laughs> <laughs> I am the master of the museum. <laughs> Not quite the master of Earth. And then the Dalek's lid opens and the doctor's head comes out. He's laughing the whole time. <laughs> uh, I dig it. Yeah, it was pretty fun. We cut to another area of the museum where these two white uniformed Big-shouldered Morak guards are doing their patrol, you know, walking down their their set guard patrol paths. And a door opens, and the doctor, who's still laughing to himself, comes strolling out of the door directly into their guard patrol path. I love it. Uh huh. Yeah, it was it was funny. I was quite enjoyed that, and he sheepishly puts his hands up as the guards grab him and take him away. The DM is like, so uh, do you want to roll another stealth check? And the doctor's like, but my other stealth check succeeded. (laughs) (laughs) Ian, Vicky, and Barbara have continued wandering through the maze-like museum, but it's getting pretty hopeless. They are passing some museum structure or like a, you know, display or whatever, that Barbara thinks they've passed before. She thinks they're going around in circles. Mm-hmm. Ian starts remembering some of his recent Hades runs and <laughs> specifically fighting Theseus and Asterius. And this gives him an idea. And so he goes and he yanks Barbara's cardigan off of her. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you use your own cardigan or whatever you're wearing there, Ian? Uh-huh. 
she's like, dude, what the fuck? He explains his plan to leave a trail of yarn as they go, so they won't be going in circles anymore. Mm-hmm. And Barbara's like, dude, you could have asked. Yeah. <laughs> Just go and pull articles of people's clothing off, no matter how cute you think they are. But uh-huh. yeah, all joking about shipping aside, like that is it's a little problematic there, Ian. Yeah. Maybe, maybe more than a little. Like, come on. Yeah. But yeah, Barbara calls him on it and he basically agrees. He's like, yeah, you're right. And then he does actually like ask her if essentially they can destroy her cardigan. Uh-huh. And she's like, yeah, all right, give me a pen knife. And she starts undoing the knitting. She says, well, if you want to destroy my sweater. <laughs> if I remembered more lyrics to that song, I would say them. Saddest, saddest pop song cover ever. <laughs> The doctor does a brief investigation of the room he's imprisoned in, but he doesn't find any obvious ways to escape. So he sits down in the chair that's in the room. And And the chair turns out to be a rocket chair. (laughs) Well, as soon as he sits down, some metal bands come out of the armrests of the chair and like go around his waist. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> Maybe it's just the seatbelts on the rocket chair. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> we briefly cut to the Steve Jobses who find Ian's thread trail that he's leaving. They are not entirely sure if it's meant for the old man to follow or what, but they decide to follow it. Okay, at least they don't start, like, rolling it up as they go. (laughs) No, they're leaving it in place, but they're following it. Okay. We cut back to the doctor, and the wall in front of him slides open, and it reveals the museum director sitting at his desk. I like all these secret passages. Yeah, me too. Very, very exciting. I don't remember if, or I don't know if you've ever seen The Prisoner or not. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, I know I know you're a big fan. Um, I did watch several episodes back in the day when you were super into it, but nice. I never made it through the entire series. This this scene felt pretty reminiscent of like an interrogation between number two and number six. Yes, and and we have we have referenced it before here on this show. Indeed, I that. we have indeed. when some characters said they wanted information the museum director introduces himself as lobos nice and he describes the museum here on planet zeros as a lasting memorial to the achievements of the moroc civilization (laughs) we decided to put it on a completely different planet than the one that we're from (laughs) Uh the doctor makes a few snide remarks about how like no one seems to be coming to visit the museum. <laughs> and Lobos... Yeah, well, you know, the, the rent was low. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Lobos basically agrees. He he thinks that the Morak people are, like, essentially bored of it and don't like learning about their own history. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Our civilization rests on its laurels. Galactic conquests are a thing of the past. Life, it is now said, is a purely a thing to enjoy. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I guess going to museums is is not very enjoyable. Also, like, to me, it seems like enjoying your life is a little nicer than conquering people. But <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> what do I know? Maybe I'm just not ambitious enough. <laughs> he asks the doctor why he's here. And 
the doctor says that he's here for exploration, and Lobos starts asking where the doctor came from and how he got here, and the doctor does not answer. Mm. And, you know, clearly does not want to answer. Mm -hmm. Lobos turns on a small TV on his desk, and then he asks the doctor where his companions are. Like, we can't see, like, what's on the TV, and the doctor can't see it either. But, you know, he asks... Very curious to know. (laughs) He asks the doctor where his companions are, and the doctor, of course, remains silent, but Lobos radios to one of his men and sends them to like a specific corridor to detain one man, one woman, and a young girl. <laughs> Thanks for being very specific about the uh, the makeup of our party there. <laughs> Maybe a little weirdly specific, but okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Also, you'll note that Vicky has fallen into the Susan role of <laughs> late teen being young girl. Uh-huh. He turns the TV around and he shows the image to the doctor. And sure enough, it's Ian and Vicky and Barbara in a corridor. I love how back when this came out, like that was still like high tech. It's like, oh, look at that. I've got a camera. And what it, what it's showing is appearing here right on the screen, even as it's happening. What technology? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's actually even cooler tech. He explains it, or he explains what it is. It's actually a thought-reading TV. Oh, okay. Well, we don't have that. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, he explains that, like, by asking a question, he plants an image in the doctor's brain that the TV picks up. Oh, I dig it. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I it like was that neat. technology. So, you know, he turns the TV back around and asks the doctor again how he got here. And then Lobos looks at the TV and he's like, Ah, oh, oh, that's horrible. This is a kid show. You can't show that. Ah, oh, ah. <laughs> uh, and the doctor's like, I told you to stay out of my history. <laughs> it serves you right. Uh huh. <laughs> No, it's actually a penny farthing bicycle, like the kind with like the big front wheel and the little back wheel. <laughs> Adorable. Yeah, which makes it even more like the prisoner, incidentally. Oh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> this came first. I thought it served Lobos right, though. Like, you shouldn't tell your prisoner that you have a thought TV if you don't <laughs> want them to like think gross, dirty, nasty shit at you. Oh, penny farthing bicycle, man. <laughs> One of those wheels is so big. It's so tiny. Man, we're going to have to change the rating on this episode. <laughs> if that joke's a bit too rough, we can cut it or or tell a, a, a cleaner version. Barbara, Vicky, and Ian reach the end of the thread from Barbara's cardigan, and they don't seem to have found anything useful. But at least they haven't backtracked. Okay. They are trying to figure out, like, what to do next. And Ian starts just kind of, like, poking around the area, investigating, like, where they are. And he opens a door that apparently has the TARDIS behind it. Nice. Her her cardigan did the trick. Uh Uh-huh. And in classic Doctor Who fashion, they don't actually show us viewers the TARDIS, we just get like the reaction shots of Barbara and Vicky and Ian all being like, oh, the TARDIS. 
Huh. Yeah, I, I know normally this seems like a, a cost-saving measure so they don't have to show us the thing. But in this case, it's like we have the TARDIS, you know, prop. Uh-huh. I don't know why they... Well, maybe I, maybe it's that, the, you know, these are filmed on kind of small uh, shooting stages, um, sound stages, whatever. And so maybe like, you know, getting the shot right where they can look from one room to the other was too difficult. Yeah, I'm that could be. speculating. Back in... In the prisoner interrogation room, Lobos asks the doctor again where he came from. And the doctor's like, look at your fucking thought TV. (laughs) And Lobos does. And it's showing a bunch of walruses who are like climbing on (laughs) and jumping off of and swimming around this rock in the middle of the ocean. Oh, man, the doctor is a freak. (laughs) I don't mean to kink shame him, but oh, buddy. (laughs) Lobos is like, dude, what the fuck are these? And <laughs> the doctor says that they're friends of his. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm a friend to animals. Uh-huh. Lobos is like, but these are amphibious creatures. You are not an amphibian. And the doctor says, oh, I'm not, am I? Hmm? Yeah, like, how would he know there's no water around? Uh-huh. For all you know, I could just uh, hop right in and swim away. The Thought TV shows... The doctor wearing an old-timey long bathing suit with a straw hat. Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, no joke. I love it. It was unfortunately not stripy. It was a solid color. Oh, I honestly, I mean, I'm glad you said that because I was picturing him in a stripy bathing suit. <laughs> and, you know, technically it was a solid shade of gray. <laughs> well, aren't they all on this show? Lobos receives a call from like the guards that he sent to the the corridor and turns out the corridor is empty the doctor is like yeah they probably left that area like a long time ago but that was the last place i saw them so that's where i pictured them (laughs) if only you'd invested in normal security cameras (laughs) so you see your little toy isn't infallible is it hmm Mm-hmm. Lobos is like, So you see fit to joke with me, eh? Well, let us give you something to joke about, shall we? You are of no further use to me and would make a perfect specimen for our museums. Um, it's not a very good joke there, Lobos. Like, what's the, <laughs> what's the setup? What's the punchline? Like, yeah. Maybe workshop it a bit. Yeah. Like, you know, we I get the message he's trying to get across, but I'm sure there's like a more funny way that he could do it that like actually follows the structure of a joke. Yeah, maybe maybe add some props. Yeah. Prop comedy is pretty pretty easy to pull off, I think. Pretty low bar. The camera pans to the Thought TV, which shows a picture of the Doctor in a display case as a museum dummy. And Lobus is like, cool, cool, cool. So you get my drift then. And mm-hmm. he calls the guards to take the Doctor to the preparation room. Oh, that sounds ominous. Uh-huh. As the words next episode, The Search, appear on screen. Well, we've had some great episode titles so far. <laughs> uh, maybe they can't all be winners. <laughs> yeah. 
but cool. This was a fun episode anyway. I like I like the Morocks and I like the the Steve Jobses. I can't remember what their actual name is. The the Rebels. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they're called Zerons officially. They're also just like named oh. after the planet Zeron. The Morocks from <laughs> yeah, Morocks and the Zerons from Zeron. <laughs> yeah, but they will always cool. be Steve Jobses to me. Yes. Well, this was a fun one. I mean. Um, I guess I guess my one question is like how much of this episode just sort of involved walking through endless corridors for our various characters and groups? Uh, there was a fair amount of it, but I feel like they they actually kept it like pretty gripping and engaging anyway. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Is is this our first ray gun that our our heroes get to wield? Like I know that the Daleks have theirs and. I feel like I feel like some other it, there's another ray gun like weapon. Yeah, it might be. I'm not first sure time that we've actually gotten to equip one in our inventory. Did the Thals give them a ray gun? Oh, I, I don't, don't recall. Listeners, yeah, I don't uh, know. Tweet us or email us. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know. Cool. Well, I remain intrigued. I I enjoy this this stuff. Um, I like the space museum. I like the time traveled stuff. Um. I like that we have a bit more, you know, structured plot now with uh, good guys and bad guys. And um, yeah, no new ships, though, except for like, depending on uh, I, mean, I could see I could see people doing some, you know, some fan fiction pot- potential for the doctor being in Lobos's office where it's like, <laughs> oh, what's on the doctor's mind? And he sees that it's like the doctor's picturing the two of them making out or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there could be some potential there. Doctos. Lobtor. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, other than that, <laughs> not much, not much shit potential yet. Okay, cool. I'm curious to see where this goes. Indeed. Well, to our listeners, come back in two weeks and see what happens on the search. Indeed. Bye. Bye. Hi, it's Benny. Kyle and I would like to thank Circuit 23 for our theme song. You can find its sweet, sweet tunes, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23 at gmail.com. Thank you to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who. And thank you, listener, for listening to me, listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. You can always chat with us by emailing thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweeting at drwatcher. It always makes our day to see a new review on iTunes. And with that, please join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. We might be able to bluff our way out of here with this. If we want to get out of here. Oh, we can't stay here, Barbara, can we? We must do whatever is necessary to keep us out of those cases. I don't see that staying here would stop it. We must break the chain of events that led up to it. And going out of here might be just what we're not supposed to do. Yes, I think Barbara's quite right, my dear. If we walk out of here, it could change the future. Perhaps if we wait until we are taken out, that might change the future. The point is, what are we going to do? Which is it to be? Doctor, if we find the TARDIS and leave here, then we won't have to worry about being turned into dummies at all. That's a good point, Doctor. It isn't a good point at all, my dear boy. The fact is, the future, our future, whether we leave here in the TARDIS or not. Hmm. Yes, I see.